0: From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. I think many people are in despair of anything actually working to solve things like the opioid crisis and family separations, but there are some programs that are trying a new approach. And journalist and author Claudia Rowe writes about it in a piece that has appeared in the Seattle Times. This is a program called Rising Strong in Spokane. And can you outline for us what's what's different? It's a family approach, right, which was not being used before?
1: So it's a substance abuse program with the aim of stemming the flow of kids into foster care. And And you
0: write that in the past, if an adult had an opioid addiction... They were treated separately, and sometimes the kids were moved from the home and went into foster care, and that's why the cycle keeps repeating.
1: Correct. Almost always, this program is a residential program where people live for a year. So it's very intensive, and the whole family lives there. So they're learning how to be together while the parents' addictions are being treated. And that was essentially
2: revolutionary, not done. (laughs) That's what it certainly sounds like in your article, where it was like, wow, how did it take us this long to figure out that separating families was doing more damage than keeping them together and treating them, but you need the facilities to do that. And it happens, they built one over in Spokane. So were you able to visit? What's the layout like, or how is that day-to-day for the families? Right, I did visit, and this was a somewhat unique
1: situation, though it could be replicated. In this case there was a convent that was no longer being used. So Catholic Charities of Spokane worked with a private foundation in Spokane to purchase the convent, give it to this foundation, which was going to run this drug treatment program there. It's a convent, so there were bedrooms, there were living facilities. The program has also built housing nearby so that when families move through the program and graduate, they're not graduating into homelessness, ah, which often, incentive. often happens in drug treatment. The person gets clean. Maybe they're reunited with their kids, maybe not. But there's often sort of no hookup for them on the other end. And they have significant hurdles to overcome. So this
2: was trying to smooth those hurdles all the way. And it sounds like the addicted parent has therapy session after therapy session. The kids go to school. They're, I mean, it all sounds really nice, but there had to have been some speed bumps along the way to get this program running and successful. It is really nice. It's also
1: really expensive. Mm. Spokane is very fortunate in that it had this private foundation, Empire Health Foundation, and it's located there and it's focused on local problems there. And what they decided to do was target foster care because of its documented effects on the mental health system, addiction, behavioral health, criminal justice. There are so many outcomes for kids in foster care that affect health and mental health systems. And so this foundation said, let's stem it at the choke point. Let's address foster care, which is so traumatic for kids and has so many unfortunate outcomes later. And that's how they did it here. But it is quite expensive. It's like $60,000 per year per Per family. Wow.
0: But what makes it work, it seems to me, from just reading your article, is that you create a community in that convent, right? I mean, you have several families living together and and learning from each other and, and I presume, helping each other along this uh, journey.
1: There is the community aspect. I think what this program is really emphasizing, and it's now going into its second year of operation, its sort of second cohort of families, they do create a community what they are really aiming to do is stem the much larger, much more costly societal outcomes down the line. So, as I mentioned, it's sixty thousand, about sixty thousand a year per family. They are saying, yes, that's a lot of upfront cost, but it saves us so much more down the line, particularly in, in criminal justice and other types of.
0: I'm just wondering if there's a way to to set up a little community like that earlier in the process. For example, at at some point. A a woman who is unmarried and addicted knows that she's in trouble. Is there a way for her to find a a living arrangement where she could get support before having the second and third and fourth child? I mean, this woman you talked to had what? She had four kids, right?
1: She actually had um, five, I believe. Five kids. The answer to your question is essentially yes, but. So, sure, the addiction treatment community would say residential treatment is the way to go because people who have addictions have so many other issues as well. But the default has been outpatient treatment, right? Thirty days or thirty days inpatient. Yeah,
0: but does that ever work? I mean, if it does, it, it never, ever work? Well, I'm not sure it sometimes well, works. Well, but I mean, that, that's the system that we have in place now, right? Pretty much. And yeah. and, and what I read is, I mean. When I read the occasional book from somebody who's sort of embedded themselves with these families and followed them, there's always that chapter where a year later, oh my gosh, this person I came to know and care about is doing the same thing on the same streets again.
1: Right. I spoke with, for, for so this is a part of a series, the story you read is part of a series, and the next one is coming soon. For that piece, I spoke with a woman in Pennsylvania, like a 40-year adult addiction treatment advocate who said residential treatment is really the only thing that works long-term residential she she would say to your question the 30-day thing really doesn't do it and that's what we fund because it's shorter term and it appears to
2: be less expensive in the short term. I think it also fails to recognize that addiction is not a linear process either. This idea that one can become addicted and immediately understand this is why they're addicted and seek help right away. That the person the mother who has that first child realizes she's addicted and doesn't have a support system, she has to realize that she wants help over wanting that addiction. So I think, you know, when we talk about addiction, we forget that, that we that it's not a linear process. You don't go, Uh oh, I'm addicted and seek help. Exactly. A woman that I spoke to a very
1: young woman at a residential treatment program program here in Everett for addicted pregnant moms, mm-hmm. she said exactly what you're saying. She sort of looked down in her lap and she said, you know, I really care about my kids, but the addiction is so strong and it it is often stronger.
2: I want to focus on the foster kids because in, in your article, it, it showed that about a third, more than a third of children entering foster care has a parent struggling with addiction. And I'm I'm wondering if, has that increased because of the opioid crisis, or has it always been addiction issues within the foster care system?
1: Addiction, the the primary reason kids go into foster care overall, forever and everywhere, is what they call neglect, Mm. right? Chronic neglect. There are many things that cause neglect in the home. Addiction of the parents is, I would say, probably a primary driver, also mental health issues, but mostly addiction. And what I found in doing this research is that 80% of the kids in foster care have an addicted parent. It doesn't mean that the addiction is the triggering factor that puts them into foster care. Mm. In that case, it's about 35%, as you cited. That's the cited reason for taking the kid into care. But the prevalence of addiction within the homes of kids in foster care is enormous. And yes, the opioid crisis has has really supercharged that.
0: Have you looked at what other countries do?
1: Other countries. I'm about to. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at other states at this point, Mm -hmm. but I have heard about other countries. It's a really good question. I should delve into it.
0: Because I'm I'm thinking of uh, the one that always comes up, Finland, where the moment you have a child, you're assigned a nurse, you also have the availability of not just daycare, but daycare centers staffed by people who have master's degrees or better, and where there is overnight accommodations for people who work swing shifts. So, I mean, if i'm getting back to this you know nipping it in the bud if you're a single mother who feels overwhelmed they don't give you a chance to feel overwhelmed because LSF is offered to you You don't have to take it if you've got family support of your own but if you don't there is an alternative to losing all hope and and sticking a needle in your now arm.
2: dave's tapping into the value system of american society i was just parenthood. gonna say yeah.
1: that would Require uh, an entire cultural yeah. shift well, in the way we think well, about everybody everything. Says that, here. Everybody
0: says we want to change this, and this is a terrible thing. Thing, and we have a million organizations that are ready to to leap in when it's too late, and that doesn't make any sense to me.
2: I hear you, Dave. I okay. want to live in Dave Ross's America.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, Claudia, it's good to talk with you again, and I'm glad I'm glad that there is at least a a glimmer of hope in uh, rising strong in uh, in Spokane. And so this series will continue, huh?
1: Correct. Uh the first piece in the series before we knew it was a series came out last June, and then there's this piece that came out a couple weeks ago, another one coming soon and a few more after that. So
0: Journalist and author Claudia Rowe. Claudia, thank you very much. Thank you. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News? You can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.